everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 307, entitled Not in Portland. This is the 56th hour of the series, and there are 65 to go. With that, I seem to somehow once again be uh, battling the clock to get this episode posted in time, so let's jump straight to the Wikipedia summary for the episode. In flashbacks, Juliet Burke is in Miami, Florida, caring for her ill sister, Rachel Carlson. She is seen injecting a drug into her sister's stomach. Later, she goes to the hospital, where she works to steal more of the drug, and is soon discovered by her boss and ex-husband, Edmund Burke, who is with another woman. Later, Edmund confronts Juliet regarding the research she has been conducting on her sister, asking to be involved in the project. Juliet, however, does not give him an answer. The next flashback, Juliet is interviewed by Richard Alpert from a genetics company called Middleos Bioscience, a firm located in Portland, Oregon. Juliet turns down the offer, however, saying Edmund would never allow it. When Richard asks what it would take for her ex-husband to allow it, Juliet says, only if he were hit by a bus, after which she immediately apologizes and says that was inappropriate. However, in a later scene, Ed is talking about Juliet's research and is hit by a bus. In a final flashback, Juliet is crying, and Ethan appears and hands her some tissues. Alpert introduces him as his colleague. Juliet agrees to join Middleos' team and asks if her sister may come. Alpert says there won't be treatment for her sister there. Juliet states it's Portland, of course they'll have treatments. Then she is informed that their research site is in another, different location. That is, not quite Portland. Meanwhile, on the island... Jack Shepard holds Ben Linus hostage in the operating room as Kate and Sawyer escape. Jack learns that the three have been on a second island. Meanwhile, Kate and Sawyer flee into the jungle to escape from the others. While running, they discover Alex, who reveals that she has a boat they may use to escape to the main island. In return, she asks them to help her rescue her boyfriend, Carl. On the island, Alex, Kate, and Sawyer free Carl from a room where he appears to have been undergoing brainwashing. Jack works to save Ben, but Ben awakens during the surgery and demands to speak to Juliet. Later, Juliet leaves and then assists Carl, Kate, and Sawyer in escaping the island, but in the process kills Danny Pickett and tells Alex that she must remain. Juliet informs Jack that Ben told her that she would be allowed to leave the island and go home if she let Ben live and helped Jack by ensuring that Kate and Sawyer escaped. So, with the Wikipedia summary now behind us, let's now move to my thoughts about the episode. It certainly was nice to be back watching this episode only a few days after watching episode 306, I Do. Not close to the 100 days that, uh, for better or for worse, we had to deal with back uh, when these episodes originally aired. It really was just a silly, I think ultimately awful way to present season 3. 
I think that they, you know, they shoehorned in this, you know, doing something exciting and different for these first six episodes, which are now behind us. The result being, uh, I think you now spend this episode rather curiously um, still wrapping that up. It's it, it's rather strange. The fact that on first viewing, it was, you know, near 100 days ago that Jack said, Kate, damn it, run. And then what happens in the next episode? You know, Kate runs. Jack is still in the OR. It's not to say that this is a bad episode. I actually uh, quite enjoyed it. And uh, given that I was quite unimpressed by this the first time I saw it, this, you know, this was the episode where I said Lost must really start to wow me in its first month back or else maybe it's, it's gone off the rails. You know, this was the first one back and I don't remember having faith. Uh, next week we have Flashes Before Your Eyes, which is uh, just a seminal, critically important episode to the series, which probably I didn't fully appreciate then. After that, of course, the dreaded tattoo. But, you know, they all can't be winners. But anyhow, enough prognosticating about the future. Let's focus on this episode. The show starts with Juliet nursing a gun and crying on a beach. Clearly, clearly this is the aftermath of the last episode. Cut to her walking inside, passing a shaggy-haired Ethan. We're in a flashback. It's a wonderful way to kind of present this, that... It must simply be a flashback, and then we find out that it is, uh, pardon me, it must simply be on island, and then we find out that it's a flashback. It's, a, it's quite quite nice, a, a bit of writing there. Great way to start things. Um, with that, Juliet is in a very dark room with someone that we can't see. Uh, at this point, the assumption is it's a flashback on the island, especially with the reference to him finding out. Uh, dialogue reveals that the woman, however, is Juliet's sister, and then the show playfully reveals... I don't like you being here alone. Come stay with me. I like living on the beach. <laughs> this is Miami, Rachel. Everything's on the beach. With that very artfully, a plane flies by. And uh, its whoosh, of course, coincides with the show whoosh. And the flashback ends. At this point, there's a close-up on Juliet as Jack gives his dialogue from the uh, from the last episode. This then leads to a very uh, kind of you know very interesting intercutting of her point of view and Jack telling Kate to damn it, run. Uh, both scenes, uh, the bear cages and the operating room, continue uh, past the you know past that Kate damn it, run bit. Uh, They continue with dialogue revealing that Juliet is not a surgeon and can't patch up Ben. Kind of some of your standard exposition there. Just, uh, I mean, I think that we knew that solidly enough. But, you know, certainly the show must be taking efforts at this point to reacclimate many a viewer to to some of these particulars, uh, given that so much time, 13 weeks, has has transpired uh, between episodes, which, again, is just... To me, it's just astonishing. I think that if you're going to have a show that runs consecutively, you know, the way that a lot of the cable channels are doing it now, if they have a um, if they have a, a season run of something between 12 and 16 episodes, which, of course, you know, after season three, Lost is in there. You know, granted, season uh, season four is only 14 episodes because of the strike and whatnot. But uh, what a lot of what a lot of shows on cable now are doing is 
um, let's say it's a 16 episode season, they'll do eight episodes, go away for six weeks, usually at kind of a convenient time, you know, you might go September to Thanksgiving, go away over the holidays, come back end of January, beginning of February. Uh, some shows they'll be on in the spring, um, or pardon me, they'll start again in the winter, uh, go away for, you know, around the the spring break, um, Easter, Passover thing, you know, whatever your deal is, that kind of time of year where maybe you're, you're wrapping up a lot of things ahead of looking toward the summer, and then they'll continue in the summer, you know, you know fun time in the summer watching your show. But uh, very, very strange. And granted, to be fair, you know, Lost in many ways was at the forefront of of uh, this this method. You know, I mean, this this is at a time where it's not necessarily well known, or not well known. It's not well understood that some shows won't fit into this pattern that networks still have, which is we'll give you a couple, then we'll rerun and hope to trick you into watching the rerun, then we'll give you a couple. You know, they're they're dealing with this in real time, but. You know, uh, it certainly is a messy way to present it. Anyhow, back to this episode, huh? Um, so Juliet can't patch up Ben. Uh, meanwhile, in the bear cages, Kate and Sawyer overpower Pickett and his helper, to say the least. Sawyer hitting Pickett's head not once, not twice, but three times into the bear shock button because on that third time it gives him a shock. Hell yeah. That's, you know, Lost is back at this point. And it would be a great way to end the teaser act at this point with this high point of the escape is afoot. However, the show wisely does not end there as Juliet ups the ante. Now, you do that and Ben dies. Go. No, you think I'm lying? You think this is a bluff? I will let him go. No, Jack, you won't. Go. Get them back. If you have to, kill them. Really nice reminder of the actual peril of the episode there. Really, really well done. You know, it's not the joy of Sawyer and Kate escaping, it's, you know, they're already surrounded. They're already on this island. With that, we have the title card, then flashback to Juliet, still in Miami. How do we know this? Well, conveniently, she passes a sign that says something like, the Miami Hospital of Miami Miaminess. You know, just to really hammer home that, yes, just because it's a mildly tropical area, I guess (laughs) Miami in the summer can be more than mildly tropical but despite the fact that it looks like islandish you know could be hawaii could be miami could be our island no 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 it's the miami hospital of miami miaminess uh, on her way to sneaking about uh she uh gets a phone call from middle Oast bioscience hey they were part of that first lost alternate reality game I, i'm sure that's what we're supposed to say um you know, hey, I'm in the know. I played that game. Uh, that's just Dr. Alpert, you know, 
it's clearly the the coming of one of the most beloved characters i mean can you there's not much you can say against richard um and as we'll talk uh i'm sure later into uh into uh next season season four you know it's uh it's an interesting story to keep nestor carbonell on the show for what ultimately becomes uh you know such an important role long story short at the end of this season you know, he does five episodes this season and ultimately uh is offered um uh, a role starring in a series i believe it was called kane it was about a uh, hispanic family in uh might have been coincidentally enough in miami uh in the sugarcane business and um it uh didn't do great in the ratings and uh because of that that strike that shortened season four uh the show probably would have come back with soft ratings but it didn't make sense to restart its production so so late in the uh production process when the strike finally ended so I don't know if it was good for Nestor Carbonell, but it was great for us on Lost that Kane gets canceled because of the strike. And uh, he is able to play on, uh, you know, uh, on our island for the rest of the show. But anyhow, back to this episode. I really do apologize that I kind of keep wandering away from it. It was an excellent episode. I think I have 13 clips total for this episode. It was great fun. Uh, you know, Juliet's a favorite of mine uh, and not for... Not for the physical reasons entirely. But anyhow, back to this episode. Juliet nicks some medicine and, of course, is almost caught. Uh, but she's interrupted by Edmund, a.k.a. Zlanko Ivankovic, if I'm saying that correctly. A.k.a. her ex-husband, who's ready for some hanky-panky with his new lady friend. Uh, and he, you can tell he's a confident cat here. Um, doesn't freak out that she's there. Uh, just has that rather jerky move saying to his lady friend about Juliet in front of Juliet, she's leaving, and then adds to Juliet, turn out the lights, because his intentions are clear. With that, we head back to the operating room where lots of exposition occurs. Kate and Sawyer can't run because we're all on a smaller island. Jack's plan won't work. Juliet wanted him to flub the surgery, etc. You know, if there's an exposition police, this is it. They show up, they're telling us, they're, you know, it's, it's recap. It's recap within the episode, which, as you know, always irritates me, and frankly, it should irritate you as well. Um, however, keeping tension aloft, Pickett is let out of the bear cage. They're, they cut to a quick shot of Kate and Sawyer running, then hitting the beach, which reveals that we are indeed on Hydra Island. You know, there was some nice location scouting, too, for this. Uh, it truly looks like another island. Uh, this might be from also from filming with different lenses or film coloring. There's just a, a slight tinge to it. It does not feel like our blue sky, white sand beach that we're used to. Um, so well done. Uh, with that, there's a quick run and gun sequence. Then Alex still causing mayhem with that slingshot, you know, mayhem against people with guns. Uh, she gives them enough breathing room to hide, kind of in this lean-to, hidden, pit, plant-covered thing. Uh, at this point, we're almost one-third into the episode. Uh, and it's, you know, we might be short on theory and mystery, but 
we are definitely long on action. It's it's action, 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 run, 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 fun, fun, fun. Uh, with that, we return to the OR. Jack expositions to Tom Friendly about Juliet wanting to see Ben dead. And then adds, and in about 40 minutes, she's going to get her wish. Certainly is a good way to end the act. I mean, you could just see, you know, he's going to get her wish. He will die. Boom. But then Ben wakes up saying that this isn't helping, and asks for Juliet. This is a great way to end the act. We have a little commercial break, and then uh, we flash back to Juliet working at that Miami, Miami, Miami hospital. Uh, Edmund's new flame retrieves Juliet to meet with him. Uh, nice little scene there where Juliet kind of recognizes her and says, you know, oh, uh, you know, what's your job here? And, oh, I'm the new research coordinator or whatever the title is. She says, yes, of course you are. You know, just kind of giving her, you know, giving her the scarlet letter. Probably not the A, though. It's a nice big red S over her uh, over her uh, medical jacket there, her white doctor's jacket. And uh, anyhow, Edmund confronts Juliet over her research experiments and uh, it being either genius or ethically improper, he kind of floats, it might be illegal, as it's being done to her sister. He walks this really nicely acted line, uh, blackmailing her into letting him in, or convincing her that together they can win prizes and help people. Fantastic acting out of uh, Zlanko Ivankovic, who I remember what I would imagine is much earlier in his career playing somebody on the X-Files who, uh, to say he had two brains probably is is not quite the technical thing, but it was that there were, whether it was two entities or the two twins or a ghost and him, whatever it was, there kind of were two forces inside him. And he, it, he played somebody who was uh, uh, quite mentally diminished, but then kind of got this, you know, a la a la Charlie, uh, you know, Flowers for Algernon kind of gets this boost. There's this great scene uh, of him in the X-Files where he's writing in two scientific journals simultaneously, one with each hand. And uh, all, you know, all certainly positive comments for him. Unfortunately, he would win an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor the first year that Michael Emerson was nominated for Ben. So... It's always a bit like, you know, Michael Emerson should have one more Emmy, if not for Zlanko Ivankovic, but it all worked out, I suppose. At any rate, uh, Juliet's hand caught in the cookie jar, the flashback ends, taking us to Juliet's hand caught in the cookie jar, post-surgery, and with Ben asking for her. You know, it's been revealed that she was plotting. Anyhow, the story moves to Alex, Kate, and Sawyer coming out of hiding, Having seen Juliet's lovely, clean, styled flashback hair, by the way, it has this wonderful wave to it. I wondered what the on-set instructions were for island scenes. Do you wash your hair at night and show up with a little overnight, you know, uh, humidity, grease, whatever in there? Are you supposed to show up perfectly showered and ready to go? And then then they, I don't know, spray some sort of combination of... uh, water and baby oil in your hair is it just the natural hawaii humidity plus a spritzer so i don't know but anyhow (laughs) um sawyer questions i think rightly so he questions the perfect timing of alex helping them out simply put he suspects a trap you know they needed help they've suddenly gotten it 
but Alex then mentions wanting to free her boyfriend. He realizes that he's seen Carl and commits to helping all around. I suppose to be fair on the flip side, you know, Ben was in worse shape. Um, and it was, you know, back in the swan hatch and that was a ruse. So, you know, perhaps Sawyer should question more. Certainly the momentum of this episode is such that, you know, we're re- we as an audience don't really question it. I mean, we I think here's here's how it works. We know Alex is on the good side or we strongly feel it. We've never seen anything about Alex being on the side of good. So why have Sawyer belabor that excessively when we know one thing and he can just feel it too, I suppose. With that, the story heads back to the OR. By the way, can we please get out of this OR at some point? We've been there a zillion times in these first seven episodes. Uh, And with that, Ben compliments Jack on his plan and... I'd like to speak to Juliet alone, please, Jack. No, no, I'm sorry. Please, I'm asking you. One gentleman to another. Won't hurt you to give me three minutes, will it? Knowing I have only 27 left. Even drugged up and face down, he's great. He's great. It's fantastic. Fantastic. As uh, Tom and Jack watch from the viewing room, we can't hear the dialogue between uh, Ben and Juliet. And that's a nice touch, too, uh, as well as seeing that Tom introduces himself to Jack properly, you know, properly introduces himself for the first time. You know, this is somebody who it's quite some time ago when it was, you know, Zeke the Bearded Mountain Man, uh, or even, pardon me, I mean, if we go back further to the first time we saw him, which was not with Jack in the scene, but the end of season one, you know, we're here to take your boy, um... It's just, you know, we've kind of come, I mean, not full circle, but we've come 180 degrees at this point to the clean-shaven, uh, civilized, Tom-friendly uh, introducing himself uh, to to his captor, uh, or pardon me, I guess his captive, right? Uh, the resulting plan, we find out, is that Jack finishes the surgery as, dun-dun-dun, Juliet helps uh, Kate and Sawyer escape. With that, off she goes, and the act ends. The next act uh, act starts in flashback, and it's the very, very first scene of our dear friend... Thank you for uh, taking the time to let us make our pitch, Dr. Burke. Middle uh, Bioscience is based in Oregon. We're just outside of Portland. Uh, <laughs> uh, these shots might seem a little cheeseball, but our people really are this happy. Now, why? Because we're privately funded. Privately funded means freedom. We organize trips every week in and around the Portland area, which is just awesome for hiking and biking and river running. I love that he's introduced in just such a laid-back way. Um, Certainly, he's an actor who I think uh, for, for many people uh, is more, uh, you know, at the time was more uh, recognizable than the part would suggest. Um, so was that a little bit of a clue that it might be a recurring role? Yeah. Was it committed to being recurring, as we'll see in the, in the trivia at the end? No. Um, but any, anyhow, at any rate, Richard starts talking fertility, 
Uh, he compliments Juliet on impregnating a male feed mouse. Uh, with that right on cue, there are MRI pictures of a 26-year-old womb that looks 70. Uh, but, of course, Juliet says that she's not able to leave uh, for all the research money in the world. We think you're special, Dr. Park. And we want you to lead a team of highly trained people because we think you're just that good. I can't. Why can't you? My ex-husband wouldn't let me. I... He wouldn't want you to have this opportunity? No, he doesn't want me to have anything. He would never give the okay. It, it's, Maybe uh... we could reach out to him on your behalf. Don't bother. Must be something that he would respond to. You were hit by a bus. How about that? That would work. Be careful what you wish for, especially on a show that uses foreshadowing to the degree that it does. Uh, anyhow, back on the island, Juliet watches the monitors for about five seconds. You know, those monitors in Ben's uh, kind of observation TV lounge. She watches those monitors for approximately five whole seconds until she finds Alex, Kate, and Sawyer. That sure was fast. If only Pickett had not gone running off, but instead went to look at the cameras. Episode over. Kate, Sawyer, Alex, dead. With that, uh, cut to Aldo, the guard, guarding Carl. And uh, Alex, Kate, and Sawyer are kind of watching him from the, the tree line. They uh, bust, past, bust past Aldo with uh, what Sawyer so accurately calls the Wookiee prisoner gag. You might recall from Star Wars Episode Four, how uh, you know they went to go bust the princess out with uh, pretending that Chewbacca was their prisoner, uh, did Han Solo and... Luke Skywalker. Uh, there's also mention of uh, Kate's not con about uh, shooting Aldo in the knee if he didn't say where Carl, Carl was. Great moment where is Kate bluffing, isn't she? You know, it's just dramatic TV and Sawyer compliments her on the con and she says, what con? With that, we see Carl's torture room. Uh, it's unsurprisingly creepy and really, really, really loud. <laughs> Um, it's definitely meant to be riddled with clues, um, but hidden right there, not quite in, you know, in, in the forefront, but we definitely see a moment. Uh, there's a quote on the screen, God loved you as he loved Jacob. Wow. I mean, there's a big clue. I guarantee you, if you go back to listen to, to any of the, um, the podcasts, you know, from when the show was new for this episode, Perhaps a connection was made. Hey, didn't we hear about a Jacob uh, last week uh, just in passing? Hey, could that be him? Eh, maybe it's just a, just a uh, you know, red herring. I mean, my goodness, here they are. I mean, you can see it's this brainwashing to say God, then an arrow, you know, mental arrow to Jacob, and then a mental arrow to the person being brainwashed, in this case, Carl to say, you know, kind of really commit to this notion of this being a special place for for special people. Um, there's a mildly interesting moment uh, of Sawyer beginning to get sucked in uh, into watching the screen. Um, it only lasts a second. I don't think it particularly is meant to, to mean anything other than, you know, perhaps, you know, indeed it is hypnotic. Uh, as they exit, there's a quick shot, by the way, of DeGroote, of uh, Dharma, uh, initi uh, Dharma training uh, films. Uh, then the act ends with Sawyer asking about the boat. After the act break, Juliet tells Pickett to let him go, and Pickett doesn't believe her. 
Uh, and then with that, we flash back to Juliet's sister saying that the research works. She's pregnant. It certainly is a bit of a fake out, given how sickly the sister looked. I think that it was definitely safe to assume that we were talking about cancer. Um, although, I mean, the cancer notion does break down a bit, knowing that Juliet, you know, kind of knowing Juliet's uh, you know, medical training and whatnot. But um, it's a it's a nice fake out. It's nice. It's kind of a, a twist and a turn here. And it's certainly starting to show us these larger edges because you say, hey, Juliet, you know, okay, impregnated a male field mouse, impregnated the sister, not not through traditional means, but, you know, Juliet's medicine uh, got the sister pregnant. Hey, there was Claire and Claire taken and Ethan in the swan hatch and, or pardon me, in the staff hatch. And hey, Ethan's in the beginning of this episode and at the end. And what's this baby thing that's going on? And hey, son is pregnant even though we've seen precious little of Sun in these first seven episodes. So it's a nice moment where we're starting to figure out the edges of this this world that we're in. There's also, too, in that scene, excellent acting between the women. Truly, it's a wonderful moment um, that, uh, that the actresses portray, portray them fully as characters. It ends with, tell your ex-husband to stick it. And then from that, we go from the sublime to the creepily ridiculous. Uh, let me call you later, okay? Anyway. Hello, Jules. What's up? She's pregnant. Excuse me? It worked. Rachel's pregnant. <sighs> Ju- Julia, that's... Wow. Uh, I need uh, I need to see your labs. We'll have to verify the data. Before no. I'm not interested in publishing, Ed. It's my sister. Fine, then. If you're not interested, why are you concerned? Thus, Ed ends hit by a bus. And I think we're left wondering just how powerful Middle-Ost bioscience is. And, uh... First-time viewers, I think, can be wondered if it's connected to how Juliet got on the island. Speaking of powerful, uh, Jack asks about the power of others. So, uh, you really can't get off the island. Why didn't you just take him to a facility? Why all this? Because ever since the sky turned purple, what the hell happened? Alas, we're interrupted there just at the point that we're about to learn stuff. You know, it's just that frustrating lost moment as uh, Ben has been nicked and there's a genuine kind of bleeder moment and whatnot. Uh, Jack works feverishly, of course, and we cut to Sawyer and company getting in the canoe, which, as a side note, doesn't look all too big. Uh, I'd, I'd be a tad worried, although I guess given what the others are capable of, it's, you know... Just has to get you across, you know, to, to that big island. Um, there's a fun little moment where the barely conscious Carl starts saying, Danny, Danny. And Sawyer says, no, I'm Sawyer. And then puts it together and realizes that Danny is approaching. Uh, Pickett is there, of course, gun out, clearly ready to do business. Uh, Sawyer, undeterred, sets his jaw and walks toward him, toward the fight, prepared for a fight to his death if needed. 
Uh, Juliet, in a great moment, appears and pops Pickett in the head, full of lead. Uh, maybe it's not his head. <laughs> maybe that was just rhyming that my brain gave me. But certainly pops Pickett full of lead, and uh, Juliet also has made her choice. The act break hits, complete with a percussion-sounding gunshot. Well, maybe that was a tad loud. Anyway, with that, we head back to the stinking OR. The OR, the operating room that we cannot seem to get out of. There's quick dialogue that Ben is about to die. Then we cut back to the canoe. Juliet tells Alex that she can't go. Alex has kind of a heartfelt goodbye, although it's somewhat interesting given that since we haven't really seen these two together, Alex and Carl, it's not really a goodbye that we can get too much of a you know an emotional connection to uh still though you know it's well acted certainly and it uh it it sells their emotion and all that uh and it's also nice shading nonetheless it's dissension in the other's home uh at this point kate about to leave has to fulfill her part of the deal that jack has arranged for hi we've got a boat they're letting us go who's letting you go the blonde woman. So you're safe, you and Sawyer? Yes, yeah. Tell me. Tell you. First day on the beach, the day of the crash, the story that I told you. If you're safe, tell me. You think this is the best time? Shut up! You were doing surgery on a girl. And you messed up. You made a mistake. Tore something on her back, and all the nerves came loose. And you said you were so afraid. And you said the fear was so real. And you didn't know what to do. So you came to fight. And then you weren't afraid anymore. And then it was just gone. And you fixed her. You saved her. It's a really nice callback to, you know, the pilot episode, to that that iconic scene. Uh, really nicely done it's a moment where the show is asking you to kind of commit back in your memory to to that episode and uh i think it also really sells the notion that jack might be left there for a while uh i think that you know even with willful suspension of disbelief i think the notion that you know they're they're gonna the story's gonna move on and jack's gonna stay with them and we're gonna return to the beach that seems a tad far-fetched but they also going to sell the idea, you know, maybe it's going to be a number of episodes that Jack is gone. Maybe it's going to be half the season. Maybe it'll be the whole season for all we know. Um, and, of course, this excellent moment is punctuated by Alex being forced to stay behind and Juliet watching Alex lose someone that she loves. Uh, with that, we flash back to Ed's dead body and Juliet having ID'd it. I, I had to say, too, you know, poor guy. Zlanko Ivankovic sitting in makeup to get that, you know, the the dead post-autopsy look, bruised from the bus and all that. 
for what is literally a one second shot. It's the briefest of shots, you know, him kind of in the, in that, that body bag there. Uh, Juliet weeps uh, over the, the whole scene. I'm not quite sure why she's weeping. Could just be the loss of her ex-husband. Perhaps this idea of feeling trapped, perhaps overwhelmed by the sheer coincidence of it. Uh, the flashback ends with Ben patched up and his heart beeping normally, a sign that all is well, of course. Juliet enters and they talk. Jack wanting to know what Ben said. Juliet doesn't answer, but instead fla- flashes back to Ethan handing her a tissue. Have we met? Hello, Dr. Burke. Mr. Albert? I'm uh, so sorry for your loss. What are you doing here? I saw what happened on the news, and uh, your office said you were down here. I just wanted to express my condolences in person before I went back up to Portland. This is Ethan. He's one of my colleagues. It's a pleasure to meet you. He was hit by a bus. I know. They they say you were there when it happened. It must have been... No, no. In our interview... I said, I said that I wanted, I wanted him to get hit by a bus. Dr. Burke, I, I realize you're a little uh, shook up right now, but th- this is just a tragic accident. You can't blame yourself. I don't even remember you saying that. You know, it's at this point, Richard looks like a liar, saying that he doesn't remember Juliet, you know, wondering what would happen if Ed was hit by a bus. For us as viewers, and I'm sure for Juliet, it's creepy, and it feels like the walls are closing in. Uh, Of course, that line, we're not quite in Portland, seals the deal. She's being recruited for this, for this island, for this this medical job that that we have uh, seen her uh, doing to some degree. With that, the flashback ends, and we're back to Jack demanding an answer. You know, what was it that Ben said to you? And he gets more than one answer. I want to know what he said. I've been on this island for three years, Jack. Three years, two months, and 28 days. He said that if I let him live, and I helped you, that he would finally let me go home. And you can hear in the music as this sinks in here, let me go home. You mean you can't go home even when you're one of these others. News just builds, builds, builds. We realize, you know, end of the episode, and there's just this claustrophobia to it that, you know, she's trapped here for all her skills, for all that we know about Juliet thus far that Jack does not. That she has this lovely little house where she can bake, and they have book clubs, and they have sunshine, and they have neighbors, and plumbing, 
and you know happiness and light that she's trapped there she's trapped she can't leave unless ben who's the villain of villains in the show thus far if ben won't let her go then she can't go it's just this tremendously kind of you know downer moment and made further depressing by what what i do here by us looking back she wants to leave she'll never leave she'll never go home she dies on this island let's not forget it's a downer ending certainly made worse as we as we look back so with that the episode is over but let's take a look at lostpedia for some other fun bits and pieces uh and lostpedia says thusly in rachel's room the base of the lamp on the nightstand is an octagon with a yin-yang symbol. It is reminiscent of the Dharma logo, specifically the swan. So that's just a fun little, you know, prop moment there. Uh, when Juliet opens the curtains in Miami, the plane that flies by uh, has the oceanic logo on it. I'll admit I did not catch that detail, but certainly, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a, a fictional shot, so it's it's no surprise that they. They went for an oceanic plane. Uh, Lostpedia also says that Rachel's pregnancy test is from Widmore. So that's a nice touch there. Uh, also, the bus that hits Edmund can be seen a few seconds before it hits him. As he's walking out of the building, it is stationary. The bus stopped his left. And uh, rather, uh, rather infamously, the bus has an ad for Apollo candy bars. This isn't really seen in the episode, but apparently... The, uh, the godfather of all lost podcasters, Ryan Azawa, had snapped a few pictures, uh, I guess, when they were shooting, uh, or at least of the stationary bus, and sure enough, there was an ad for Apollo Candy Bars. Last but not least, this little bit of trivia comes uh, from uh, Wikipedia, actually, and uh, it says this, Nestor Carbonell, of course plays Richard, uh, was originally contracted to guest star in Not in Portland with the possibility of the role becoming recurring. After the producers enjoyed his performance, his contract was extended to five further appearances in season three. So, six episodes this season, not too shabby, and then uh, you know doesn't show up until, I believe, post-strike post uh, episodes in uh, season four, because he was off doing that other show. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the show without him after this season how important is the richard character as the number two to jacob uh, i guess would they have gotten somebody else would it be an expansion of jacob's role would they have eliminated entirely you know i mean you think of the you think of the wonderful richard story you know a smaller a smaller story for this uh, overall tale of 121 episodes but the show is better due to Richard, and it certainly is nice that he was was around to be with us. So with that, let's take a look to next week, episode 308, the the Keystone episode. 308 flashes before your eyes in many, many, many ways. The, I mean, is it it hyperbole? Is it excessive to say that flashes before your eyes is the beginning of the rest of the series? Uh, Certainly it's committing to some sort of time travel, time twisting type thing that we've been hinted at with Desmond this season, but this is where they start to commit. Uh, Flashes before your eyes kind of 
in the way it explores time. That's something that is uh, further explored, of course, in the constant. Uh, it's something that, to a certain degree, comes back in the in, in season six with the flash sideways, uh, which are, of course, not sideways at all. They are chrono- chronologically uh, at the end of the series. So certainly them committing to the time issue, if you will, next week. And I'm st- I can't wait to watch that. In fact, I think I'm watching it tonight so I can finally get ahead in podcasting and not be doing this, oh, eight hours or so before it's supposed to uh, show up online. So feedback is always appreciated. You can say hello to me on Twitter, Looking Back Lost. You can call the listener line, 732-707-1815. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. Leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So thank you one and all for listening. It's always uh, it's always so much great fun to get together with you. And it's uh, it's been really nice, getting, you know, reliving season three here. Can't wait for next week. Not particularly looking forward to the tattoo bit in a couple weeks, but uh, we are zipping along here and actually moving, you know, closer and closer towards the midpoint of uh, the series and the midpoint of this podcast project. So thank you all once again. Take care of yourselves and see you again next Friday for uh, episode 308, Flashes Before Your Eyes. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.